and taken. Watch through the roots here. Horsepower to suspension. Cooper has taken over. Can he hold on? Last lap. Let's see what happens. Oh, and a second week in a row, both Cooper and Matasevich goes down. Matasevich, I don't believe it, hit Cooper on the helmet. Last lap action, and neither one of them are going to win this one. Incredible. Doug Dubach. Doug Dubach is out front. Here comes Stanton, and right behind him, Bradshaw. No This way. is unbelievable on one lap to go. Unbelievable race action. Watch Bradshaw. Bradshaw's going to pass Stanton. He definitely does. Now he's got Dubach, he his in. Yamaha teammate, in front of him. This is an impossibility. I can't believe that Bradshaw was able to come back that strong and that hard. This Watch is the this. most incredible race we have seen all season. Dubach has never won a Supercross race. Is it going to be Dubach or Bradshaw? Doug Dubach! Doug Dubach took the win. An unbelievable, just an unbelievable situation. Damon Bradshaw rode the race. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, uh, telling a friend, subscribing, and all of that. Please rate and review it on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. That helps this show as well. These are fun to do, and we uh, all of our guys are back for 2023, so it looks like Wygan and I are going to have to keep doing these things. Leeit.com. Uh, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com. If you want to save with Leeit, we'll send you a code. And if you want to shop at Leah, you want to get some mountain bike protection, dirt bike protection, boots, helmet, goggles, gloves, gear, uh, knee braces, uh, uh, mountain bike protection, whatever it is, Leah.com. Uh, they have the 5.5 flex lock boots, the 5, 9.5 helmets, the 6.5 velocity goggles. Our buddy Kiefer helped develop that flex lock boot, by the way few years back, so you know it works pretty well. And uh, thank you to the folks at Liat. Different people ride for different reasons. Yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body in the line for the sheer enjoyment, and this is what Liat offers as a brand. Uh, head to toe, they'll have you covered, and uh, visit them at Liat.com. Thank you to those guys for doing it. And also Scott Goggles, our buddy uh, John Knowles, the winner of this 91 San Jose, Doug Duba. He's wearing Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. They've been uh, supporting all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years, the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Jason Anderson, the pro circuit team, Caleb Russell, Chad Weenan, Walker Fowler, on-road, off-road. Scott's been there for these guys, so thank you to Scott as well for coming on board. Pro Taper, uh, Guts, um, Max's Tires on board as well. So we'll talk more about them later on. But to uh, talk about San Jose, 1991, and what a race it was. Literally had me laughing out loud by myself while I rewatched it. It's Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Yeah, there was no doubt about it. I did the same. I laughed. And um, also at the end of this, this is on television, Larry Myers, the legendary announcer. He must say three times, four times, that it's the greatest race action he's ever seen. Now, I think there's a... A little recency bias when you say that a minute after the checkered flag. Um, well, and you just had 1990 Atlanta? 
Yeah, but I will say <laughs> that um, the race is just known as like the race where Doug Dubach wins, and that's why it's on this show. But honestly, I think the race is underrated. Like, yeah, there's a lot of action. It's it's not just that. But okay, here's the exact example. That Seattle race that we just did with Shorty, Shorty even admits the race was actually boring. It was just cool because Shorty won. Mm -hmm. The Dubok win overshadows. I mean, it's unbelievable how many dudes are battling and how much action there is in this race. It is a really good one. It is. I like the track, too. The track's really fun. Um, so I like that. And, yeah, we have Doug Dubok on to talk about it. And Doug's a great storyteller. So strap in because uh, Dubok's got some funny things to talk about this night as well. Um yeah, it, it is a great race. This is the second last race of 91. JMB had clinched the week before in Oklahoma. Um, so that was the storyline going in. The battle for second was on. Larry Meyer says it's worth $50,000, uh, I think Ooh. he said. Um, and so this is this is called, you know, this is your area more than mine, but 91, it's called the Supercross Challenge? Oh, oh, the, ultimate the Ultimate Challenge. challenge. I'm, I'm, the Ultimate Challenge. I'm very upset. This is a dark era dark year of my life um this is about as bad as my life ever got steve I'm just gonna pour my heart out here mm -hmm. you know i've been through a lot of trauma in my life as have many um not much worse than uh in 1990 89 and 90 supercrosses on espn mm -hmm. every night great production with the the legends at uh, seals productions still our buddy scotty mclemore was over at mav tv he was the the producer of those shows um, and I'm like, Supercross, this is awesome. I live in New Jersey. I'm able to watch Supercross every weekend on ESPN, and the shows were fantastic. And we had the legendary Larry Myers-Dave Despain combo in 90. Um, absolutely spectacular. And then in 91, they just disappear. Because I'm going to say some idiot, somebody at the AMA decided, you know what? Flat track is better than Supercross. We are going to move flat track over to the ESPN slot and Supercross Good luck, buddies. So I remember watching the flat track races with Despain and Myers on TV in 91 and saying, I cannot believe this. They booted Supercross and put flat track on instead. Now, look, I did eventually, ironically, end up doing TV for flat track for a long time. Great series, great people. But it's not Supercross. Come on. I didn't so know I any of this. Yeah, so Myers and Despain yeah. just moved over to flat track on ESPN. I didn't know this. Yeah, I was in Canada. Yeah, so. they literally gave it. It was the same thing. It was always right. on at like 12.30 a.m. Eastern or 9.30 p.m. Right. West Thursday night. And all of a sudden, I'm like, it's freaking flat track. Where's Supercross? Yeah. Huh. And um, so the AMA must have. And who knows? Like, they all had Camel and sponsors. So who knows what they were owed? There, there's a chance that, I don't know. I mean, we could probably call Roy Jansen. He could probably tell you what happened. I mean, there's a chance that Camel said, hey, why is Supercross the only one on TV? The other series needs some love, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But Supercross instead builds its own thing. And uh, you've heard the term syndication. Remember how that yes, works? Yes, It's just like you just go to local TV stations and you can bid for it. So they were on, but they were on so inconsistently. They were just on my local, where I lived in New Jersey, you get New York and Philadelphia channels. One of the Philadelphia channels would have it. But half of them just wouldn't. This one I had never seen. I couldn't. Never saw it on TV until it popped up on YouTube well, 25 years later. And you can also tell with these uh, these 91 ones, it was like, hey, Larry Myers, you're still at the races. Go find somebody to be your analyst. Okay. I, this, this, is is my next, going to be here. this is my next yes. question for you. I didn't know Marty Smith did any color around this time. 
Yeah, you know, actually, now that I think about it, uh, I want to give credit to Davey for, uh, Coombs for being innovative and having different analysts every week this summer that just passed mm-hmm. with Lucas Oil Promote Cross. But in a shaky sense, these 91 Supercrosses are like that. If you watch all the races, it's a different dude every week. It literally must have been Myers. If a rider was hurt, yeah, his mechanic well, was definitely the analyst the next week. Or I, Hannah does a bunch, right? Hannah does uh – Three no, no, not 91. No? Like, again, it's not a big enough. I, I guarantee you they must have paid the guys 200 bucks. Like, right. hey, just go up in the booth at Myers for three hours. It'll be easy. So some are Marty Smith. Uh, I remember Stanton misses one race, so they just grab Dan Bentley, bring him up. Um, but And these guys are not TV guys. They're not probably – There's, I mean, it's you can tell they're just literally approaching the pits. Hey, you want to do TV tonight? Um, yeah, Mar- Marty talks over yeah. Larry a whole bunch and stuff, and he's yeah, he inter- doesn't have much to say. But it's not his fault. It's no. not a production. Yeah. I-, I can tell. It's definitely slammed together. Get it on TV somewhere. But and then miraculously, 1992, just back, <laughs> just back in ESPN, <laughs> done by Lou Seals and yeah. Scotty Mack, and it's back to Myers and to Spain. So 91 is the. You know what? Maybe they knew Bale was going to win. Yeah, and they just wanted to screw him. That's it. That's probably it. Um, yeah. But hold on, this this is not done live. This is to tape. But so, but it's at the race, or uh, kind of. So uh, you'll go back and watch, and you can tell. So I oh, think I know because is, that's what I was going to bring up. Like they're yeah. they're, they're foreshadowing Dubok a lot. Okay, let's get to our first thing that made me laugh. Yeah, you you can tell they announce it as the race is going. And then you can tell like a week later, they must have Larry go to a studio and, oh, we got to get this in and that in. Let's re-record a few minutes. So if you watch this one, Dubak gets to third and you can tell there's stadium noise and crowd going nuts. And then all of a sudden it's silent and Larry sounds 900 times more professional. It goes from like, yeah, this is crazy. This is crazy. And how about Doug Dubak in third? Let's find out more about this veteran rider. It doesn't fit. You can tell they just crammed in like, oh, yeah, Dubak ends up winning. We didn't know that was going to happen. After the fact, let's when they go to commercial or come out of commercial, it it's so obvious that they redid it. Uh, well, three days later in a different building. I, I love Dubak, and we talked to him for this show, and he's a friend of mine. But at some point, when Doug's in third, Marty says that Doug is ripping the whoops better than anybody, and then Larry Myers says Dubak can go as fast as anybody. Out there, which I love Dubok. He can not go as fast as anybody out there. Like, there's one Damon Bradshaw, for example, that has greater speed than our guy Dubok. So I, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're setting this up. They're setting this thing up the whole time. Yeah. I, I don't believe that was Dubok's rep. No, no, no. I don't, don't think his that... rep was not uh, the speed guy. No, no, it was not. <laughs> no. Um, so... Like, rock solid, consistent, give you everything you've, he's got every weekend for sure. But right. I don't think the stopwatch was. Yeah, they were aiming. Let's watch Dubak in practice to know what to jump. You know, I forgot to ask this about Doug, but they go to a feature on Doug in in the middle of the race on starts, right? And how he got his yes, name. Yes, but again, go. You have to yeah. watch that again and hear how Lamire's voice is one hundred percent different. And then they show Doctor D just a horrendous crash in the whoops. Oh, a horrendous <laughs> crash! Yeah. I, I we forgot to ask him about it. Yeah, I'm glad oh. he's alive. Imagine doing a feature. Imagine doing a feature on a guy and just showing his worst crash ever in his life. Jeez. Oh well, I mean, we're probably going to see the Roxon 2017 crash nine more times this season. So it's been done. It's a good point. (laughs) Um, You're right, but yeah. So I didn't know Marty was ever an analyst. Uh, This is funny because this is 91, and this is Marty. Marty Smith came up to Canada 
in 91 and 92 to teach motocross schools, and I was responsible for taking them around. And That's, th- You told me that story. That's yeah. a- and amazing. In the winter of 91, sorry, the winter of 90, I drive down and live with Marty for like a month in San Diego. Oh, my gosh. And I'm hanging with Marty. We're going to play Excite Bike every day at the arcade. We're going riding at Palm Avenue. It's great. Yeah. So I had a good experience with Marty Smith, who passed away last year. And Marty and Nancy, his wife. Uh, what a guy. And I did not know he did color around this era either. So I don't know. Like- this has to be, I mean, Marty Smith at that age and that era, and you're coming from Canada and San Diego, one of the coolest towns in the world. Yeah, I do. I mean, what a no, surreal experience he, that must have been. No, he had the mullet, and he was in shape, good-looking guy, tanned. He had a surf yep. shop. He owned a surf shop uh, next oh, to a God. subway. Um, body glove. He was a big body glove guy. And, and yeah, it, really, really cool to hang out with Marty, and Nancy was awesome, and and especially me being, I was 16, 17, you know, and I'm just like, this Jeez. is awesome. Yeah, for sure. So um, really cool to do all that. And then so around this time when I heard his voice, I was like, oh, shit, look at Marty doing color. It was a little bit of a flashback for me. Um, so 91 San Jose, Dubok wins his first and only career 450 Supercross win. Uh, and But I don't know what – is the story Bradshaw getting caught in the gate – and almost winning the damn thing? Or is the story just Chicken and Cooper? I feel like the Chicken and Cooper gets talked about. The, the race, A, gets talked about because Doug won. B is Chicken and Cooper. And yes, stuck in the gate and way back to second only is the third best story of this race. <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> Probably. Yes. Uh, Guy Cooper, again, should have won this race. <laughs> should have won this race. Can we race. just change the show to the... Liet Guy Cooperables. How many? How many of these pods have we done where Guy Cooper is at the center of the storm? I I gotta get Clinton or somebody. Someone has. I gotta pay someone mm-hmm. and find out how many laps Guy Cooper led in his career at 450 Supercross made events. I, I don't. How many late laps? No. Yeah. Just how many laps or how many late laps? I don't know. Whatever. Because we need to get Coop on one of these. It's almost becoming more exciting to have all these stories about Coop than Coop himself. It's becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe, right? Wait, we did. Okay, our last show we did was uh, Shorty 2012. Was there Jeff Ward 1990, the one before that? Yeah, yep. So two out of the last three of these are races where Cooper was in the lead as the white – took the white flag as the leader. <laughs> yes. But did not win. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's more. I'm God, sure there's more. Guy Cooper. Uh, he was – fast dude i don't know where he came from but about i don't know lap five he just i mean he passes stanton he passes dubok he passes wardy he passes chicken he passes larry ward yep uh he's flying in the whoops his feet are off he is pinning it in the whoops getting kicked feet off sending it <laughs> unbelievable yeah and uh, the first long rhythm uh, half the time He's, I, I don't know if it's a scrub or a whip or a cross-up or just barely hanging on. I mean, with Cooper, that's kind of all in one. Half of the laps, you're like, oh, God. Uh, but that was what got – that's why it's so fun to talk about him in this show. And we've said this over and over. There aren't – no one rides like that anymore. Nobody. Like, you – okay, we might make fun of uh, our guy Wackers, Ramit, Cameron McAdoo mm-hmm. for being wide open. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a level that's still within the realm of riding like the other riders – there's like 
19 guys on the track and then this alien being like Cooper would everything was different. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one no one is a parallel I feel to Guy Cooper, nobody. Yeah, you're probably right. It's unbelievable. Um so Cooper takes the lead from Chicken. This is an off year for Chicken. He's number 7, he's wearing Tai Chi gear and maybe off track things are getting loose in Chicken's life, but he'd led the 90 series for most of the season, and then Stanton gets him at the end. 91 here. Uh, I don't remember him really being a factor at all. Again, Bale won the championship the week before. Stanton's in the mix. Bradshaw's in the mix. All of that. But I don't remember much about Chicken. But this one, he is leading most of the race. He catches Jeff Ward. By the way, speaking of Wardy, he won the previous week at the ripe old age of 30, they said. Um, Chicken passes. Chicken takes the lead from his teammate and takes off, and then Cooper slowly grinds him down, catches him, going uh, Mach 5 in the whoops, and makes the pass as the white flag is going and moves to the inside. And we, I don't know what Chicken's thinking. There's just, there's no, there's no room there. There's nothing going on. Um, so takes them both out, tries to fit in the inside, takes them both out. In Cycle News, uh, Cooper says, if Chicken had a brain, we'd be first and second. Uh, I put on a good hard charge and made a couple of inside moves, but Chicken was protecting his lines as much as I could. I made a clean pass. I was completely ahead of him, Cooper says. And there was only one line, but he came sticking his nose straight in there and put us down. It was stupid. I just don't know what to say. I'm really mad at him. He came over to me to talk, and I told him, don't talk to me now. I'm not in the mood. (laughs) Um, And Chicken says... That's not right, though. Yeah, and Chicken says, it was just a balls out last lap uh, just say a prayer and hope you stay up type of deal. It was one of those things. <laughs> Chicken, you could have got second, though. Like, like you know, and by the way, this is uh, written by Kit Palmer, in case you were wondering. Um, of course. Yeah, of course. So, like, Chicken, like, just, yeah, there was no room. It was a ridiculous tr- attempt, and there was no room, and whatever. So Cooper says, my first Supercross win keeps eluding me. Spoiler alert, it would elude, elude you. Uh Contract time is coming up. I'd like to ride another year with Suzuki, and it would be nice to have a win under my belt, says Cooper. Ugh. Yeah, these, these, are, these are all factual statements. Yeah, um, yeah. Cooper, the ball's out in the whoops. Um, well, there's a there's a 180 before the whoops um, where Cooper – okay, I've always said, made this argument when it comes to block passing. Like, I hate when a dude gets cleaned out, and then they're like, well, you shouldn't leave the door open. And I'm like, the nature of a bowl turn is that you can't – be on the inside all the way around the corner. You're going to either enter on the inside and end up on the outside or enter on the outside and end up on the inside. The whole point of a 180 corner is that you can't just block the guy. That's that's what the that's why these corners are built the way they are. However, I might be wrong. Chicken's defensive riding in that corner lap after lap. I'm like, "No, he actually does figure out a way to block Cooper on the entrance, the middle, and the exit of that corner. <laughs> it's he basically starts all the way in the left, all the way in the outside, and then in the last jump just goes on a 45-degree angle. So Cooper uh, cannot get inside of him. And how about which then leads oh, to the whoop, yeah. so then Cooper just passes him there. And yeah. you're right, Cooper, like the hub, the rear hub of Cooper's bike is probably at the front tire of Yes, not, not the front the front rim and tire, not the front hub, the front rim and tire, yes. Yes. yes, so he's like 95% his bike is ahead of him. And then Chicken just still sends it down the inside. And as my kid said when we watched the race, my kid who's eight years old, um, I, I think this is graphic violence. He's not used to this type of racing. 
Do we do we need to when you show Supercross as the kids from 1990 era? Do you need to tell them in advance? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think like you need PG. a warning. You need a warning. <laughs> Parental guidance needed to watch these passes. Matazovich is yeah, the, he's 95 percent behind. He does not have a wheel on him, but he is on the inside. So he just goes straight, pretty much. It's it's bad, and chicken also. Uh, chicken was uh, fined five hundred dollars for unnecessary contact and endangering another rider. Oh, Kit goes on to say the fine was the heaviest ever slapped on a rider in the history of AMA Supercross racing. Really? Yes, five hundred bucks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> dark Dark Side could, wouldn't even be able to pay that. Oh, gosh, you keep going there. Uh, well, that's um, sad in many ways. So 500 was the highest fine in the history of Supercross at this point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what about the famous uh, Bradshaw story we tell over and over where we told our buddy Roy Jansen, you might as well just keep 500 more or whatever because I'm going to do it again next week. Or whatever. Yeah. Was yeah, Bradshaw that, paying $200 fines? I, I, I don't know. Good point. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the great, the great story of – another great story of Bradshaw. So – yeah. Um, Here's my final word on this pass. When you're so far behind that you cannot block pass him with your shoulders or body, <laughs> he just has to let go of the bike. Because yeah, he just lets go of the bike yep. and lets the bike take Cooper out. Yeah, because his shoulders, elbows are so far behind, he can't get in there. Poor Cooper. The only thing I can, the New Jersey uh, semis and LCQs from 2017 are the only other things I can think of that had. It's not there, and you still tried it. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, poor Remember Cat and Zero just straight up pretty much tackled yep. whoever, whoever yeah, it was. Whoever it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, how about the Larry War chicken battle, too? That was great early in the main. That was awesome, squaring each other up and, and yeah. all of that. That was some really, really good racing. Um, yep. Also, so uh, the story, like you said, the – Third best story of the night is Bradshaw coming from way back, caught in the gate, and um, uh, comes back to, to second. He probably gets dug right with another lap. Uh, do we do we want to just go I there? I, I think that's safe to say. Okay, all right. Um, I mean, he basically makes up an entire straightaway on the guys in two laps. He uh, he comes from and he gets caught in the gate. And he comes from way back. Uh, after the race, Bradshaw says, uh, LaRocca was alongside of me. He jumped forward. I jumped forward. And they held the gate a lot longer. They go to LaRocco. Bradshaw shouldn't have been watching me, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. <laughs> All right, Mike. Man of many words. Yes. Yes, a great, great uh, uh, analogy. Look, Damon, if he wants starts, don't be looking at LaRocco. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's not the guy you want to. No, for sure, right? So, um, but yeah, what a night for Dubok. Um, a really nice career for Doug Dubok over the years. It's still going. I mean, we we joke about it in our call with him. Uh, it's still going. So, he just doesn't line up at Supercrosses and Nationals anymore. But he's still racing. So, <laughs> no, no, never retired. Never announced retirement. Never stopped. Um, hilariously, I looked at his results here in uh, the Racer X results or the Vault, and you'll see that he even shows up for one of the uh, the one twenty five All Star races that they had. Yeah, um, yeah. He raced one at Southwick in like 2018, so he's got to be what 50 some at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doug yeah. does not stop. Well, he'll explain that. He will never stop riding motorcycles. No, no, it's great. Yeah, you'll, there's yeah. never going to be like a retirement ceremony for Doug Dubok. Like, there's just not going to be. He's just no. going to die. 
Like that's yep. it. Yeah, he'll just die, and then we'll just be like, oh, he still still isn't retired though. <laughs> he's, he's still racing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Dubok had a really nice career, and I finally and stay tuned to our talk because I finally get the answer that I I've known Dubok for years. Really uh, had a good time with Doug over the years, um, um, bench racing and, and going to a couple dinners and stuff. And I never asked him ever on his situation what whether what when he was a factory rider and when he wasn't because I just didn't ever know. It just seemed like he sometimes was, sometimes wasn't. I don't know. So we do get to the bottom of that in our call with Doug Dubach. Thank God. Well, you know what's actually a little historical about this is um, does this count as a privateer win? No, because he's on a factory bike. Darn close. It it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. He, he he says that he was told by Yamaha, you are no longer on the factory team yep. this year. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that yeah. later. Uh, yeah. Thanks to the folks at Guts Racing, by the way. Pulp 2022 is a code to save with Guts Racing. They have the 2023 Yamaha seat covers. Now ready to go because uh, I got one on my bike. Uh, foam. And uh, complete seats, uh, custom seats. You can put your pick your own colors, design your own non-slip cover. Retro uh, covers as well. They've got a lot of those. If you've got a retro bike, they've done all my foams and covers for that as well. Gutsracing.com. Pulp 2022 is code to save with those guys. Thank you to the folks at Guts. Maxis Tires as well. Our guy A-Ray, Maxis Rider in 2023. And there's uh, something new coming for those guys next month. Uh, mountain bike tires as well. And I think you've got Maxis on your new Intense Primer, Weech. I think those are Maxis's. Uh, I don't think they are. All right, moving on. Uh, light they truck, need to be. Light I mean, truck we can, tires. We can fix that. Trailer tires. Uh, minions. I love the Minions. I thought it came with Maxis. Mine, mine has Maxis. I have a primer. Not the look. I don't okay. know. Anyways. Uh, mine's a 23, dude. I'm nothing but the latest true. greatest. You're, mine's a 21. You're right. So mm -hmm. uh, Maxis.com for more information. On that, thank you to those guys and Pro Taper as well. Uh, handlebars uh, on the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team and Star Racing team, and of course sprockets and chains. ProTaper.com, and uh, this is the year that they patented that bar without a crossbar. When I first saw the photo on Motocross Action, my mind was blown up in Canada because how do you have a handlebar without a crossbar? It's not possible, but it was back in 1991. ProTaper.com for for more information on that, and thank you to Lee as well. Um, 125s, uh, this was a little bit of a um, uh, a big race because McGrath, Jeremy McGrath, he'd, uh, he won the championship in 90, or sorry, in uh, he won the championship, uh, he won the race in 90, 91, he's on the, he, um, going on the peak team, and he broke his leg uh, with a big points lead, and he had to tough it out, and they put him in a cast, Skip Norfolk's talked about this on the Pulp Show, he had a cast on and a bigger boot, and he just had to get through this this race to clinch the championship, and he and he needed a tenth or better, I think. If Budman won, no, it wasn't Budman. It was maybe it was. I think it was Emig and Lammy. Yeah, Emig and Lammy. Yeah. Um, and then yep. um, so he, he got it done. McGrath clinched the championship this night, his first championship uh, with a solid ninth place ride again with a broken lower leg. I think he broke his tib or fib or one of them or both of them or whatever. I think it was a high point. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because the, the weirdness of these days, uh, you know, where you just mm -hmm. raced. Three or four nationals, Supercross, back to a national. To think that the high point national was before the end of Supercross. Yeah, think about that, right? Yeah, because yeah. that hadn't happened forever. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Bale had clinched the title the week before. What do you think Bale's give a shit meter was for this race? Oh, my God. Yeah, clear. well, it's pretty clear. I mean, he goes into the first turn. The only reason he's not last is his Bradshaw stuck in the gate. Um, he doesn't exactly rage through the pack. 
And then as uh, Dubak alludes to in our interview, he does fall down at one point. He and does. I guess the yep. give a shit meter went even lower. <laughs> yeah, because until he falls, he's like just eighth. He's just eighth. He's probably yeah. just like, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Bale had the uh, – in the NBA, they now call the term load management where they try to rest <laughs> the guys up for the playoffs. Yeah. Bale had load management. <laughs> He did. He really did. Yeah. Uh, what a what a yeah. unique individual. We are trying to get him on this podcast. Uh, I've been in touch with him. Uh, we are working okay. on it. So we hope we can get uh, JMB on here uh, to talk about really anything. So um, yep, yep. He's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Dominated this season. Best rider by far. Just in this race, he was not into it. <laughs> They uh, in cycle news too. A couple of uh, observers of the race were talking that they thought uh, Bradshaw reminded them of Bob Hanna on this night, which he was good. Damon was really oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So what a night! Not ninety-one San Jose. Um. Again, the story: Cooper Chicken one, Dubok winning two, Bradshaw coming from dead last to second, three, and and yeah, what a night. Um. Mm-hmm. Anything else, or do you want to want to go on to Doug? There's so much good stuff with Doug. Let's let's go. All right, uh, Lee at Reraceables. Um, here's our chat with the Doctor. As you'll find out, why he's called the Doctor, Doug Dubach. And now to talk about the 1991 San Jose Supercross, a big night in the life of Doug Dubach is the man himself, the Doctor, Doug Dubach. What's up, Doctor D? How are you, man? Oh, great, guys. Yeah, it's uh, that was certainly a night for me to remember. Well. It was a great race, and, you know, we had Andrew Short on here talking about his one 250 Supercross win, and Nathan Ramsey on here talking about his one 250 Supercross win. This is yours. Um, but, look, you did get a bit of a gift, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you won the semi, and you were hanging in third, no problem. Like, you, this was a good night for you, regardless of those two guys up front and what they did. Like, you rode well. Well, I mean – <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I was happy with the ride. Obviously, the result was a little more than expected for me, but it was, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get one of my patented hole shots, so that I had to come from seventh or so, maybe. And, and I remember, actually, the highlight of my night was passing Stanton um, on the first lap and then proceeding to keep him behind me for the next 19. So, you know, there was some big victories just internally in my head. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely rode well. Right, right, exactly. Like, oh, pe- yeah. like, you know, people may be like, oh, he got gifted the win, and, and you did in a sense, but you rode really well, and that's kind of what I wanted to get off the top was that this was a good night for you regardless. Uh, again, you won the semi, and, uh, you know, um, it was looking like a good night for you. So, um, you, in so like, stand all over you most of the way, by the way? Like, he obviously he was, a hard guy to hold off. <laughs> yeah. He, uh you know, he was there. I could hear his bike pretty much the whole time because we had to get through, you know, Larry Ward, Jeff Ward, uh, it was somebody else in there to where I got the third, he was fourth. And, yep. yeah, I was just, I mean, that was my whole goal was to beat Stanton, honestly. I was like, <laughs> if I can just keep, keep my head down and put perfect laps together, that was, you know, would have been a nice feather in my cap. Now, in Cycle News, you say, like, look, I didn't know they were going to crash into each other, but I, I thought that something may happen to one of them and I could sneak by, you know, all the better that it happened to both of them. This is the era of the, just a week before Cooper and Chicken had gotten into it in Oklahoma City. Um, so this does seem, Doug, like you were legitimately thinking 
these guys could throw it away at any time, and they did. Like, like this was yeah, a was this was a legit blind. strategy. I mean, that, right. <laughs> that was almost obvious to me. That, but so the thing that sort of freaked me out, and you know, the gift was there. Was I see this chaos? You know, we get the white flag, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I see you know somebody down. I didn't know if one of them tangled with a lapper. I just wasn't sure, <clears throat> and. So you're around the next corner and a little obstacle before the triple. Well, every lap I was marking those guys in the next turn. Like while I was in the air of the triple, Mm -hmm. they were in the turn. And when I went over the triple, looked out there, neither one of them was there. So then, of course, that's when I shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like looking like, first of all, we, we've talked a few times, Doug. It's unbelievable that Guy Cooper never won a 450 Supercross main event. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's done. He's led so many of these races that we've watched and just thrown it away. Or, or in this case, got it taken away from him. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but he was going Mach 5 in the whoops this night. Yes. Yes. He was. And, you know, in typical Cooper fashion, he was always, you know, edgy. <laughs> he was kind of waiting for something to happen. But that night he was riding really well because he came <clears throat> around me because he, he went by Stanton mm-hmm. and I yep. lap four or five or something. And then I tried to latch on to him because, you know, we've been fairly evenly matched through our whole careers. And man, he he got away, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I was settled settled down in third, you know, those guys had got away from me. So yeah, it was uh, he he was putting on one of his good rides, but yeah, unfortunately, he was on the wrong end of that exchange. <laughs> so I can't believe when you went by that pile, uh, you didn't know at that moment what was going on. It took another couple sections or corners or whatever to even realize. What that well, because, you know, you, I didn't want really, honestly, I just tried to not even look over. Yeah. Because I knew it was one of them. Because I could kind of tell, I could see the bike pretty obvious, but I'm just like, I got to keep my head down. Because, you know, Stanton was still within just a few bike lengths of me. So I'm like, yeah, not even going to look. Just going to go. Just going to go. Just try and stay in the moment. And then, of course, I had to look up and <laughs> over the triple and realize you know, and thank God it was only one lap left, so I didn't have to deal with that anxiety for more than about another 35 <laughs> seconds. Uh, did, did you ride that? Okay, so that three quarters of a last lap that's left, uh, did you ride well, or were you freaking out, panicking, uh, making mistakes? <laughs> well, I'll tell you when I started to, uh, you know, adjust my attitude, freaking out and all that, was so just a couple straightaways later, Damon passed Stanton, kind of ran him wide before going under the tunnel. Yep. Well, you can you can always hear. I know Damon's engine tone and throttle uh, activity way more than <laughs> anybody else because I rode with him so much. And so that's when I panicked. Really, only two straightaways to go because I went crap. That's Damon. <laughs> and as much as you know, he says I'm his only guy he ever liked as a teammate and yep, all that. Yep. He <laughs> Cut my lunch quicker than anybody. So I, <laughs> I, the last whoops, I don't know, you, you guys just watched it, but I, I went through there pretty fast all night. Yeah. And that was my worst pass through the whoops because I thought, oh, no. 
<laughs> yeah, you were thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. So, yes, even though Bradshaw speaks highly of you and seems pumped after it, at well, the moment, you're like, he'll do anything to win a race. Like, he's not going well, to give it to me. Exactly. I, I knew that. But, <laughs> and yeah, he was truly the happiest guy after that race. I mean, I remember being in, like, Denny's at 2 in the morning and him waking up Marsha and Randy, like, on the East Coast, Doug, one, Doug, one, screaming on the phone. And he's waiting like, what's going on here? Okay, so I was going to ask about that. Now, he... He's gone on record again. The only teammate he ever liked was you, and and he did. Maybe the only person. Maybe, maybe the, only the only person. person. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he, I'll he, take it. He said he said that he was super happy to win this race for for you to win this race, and if it wasn't going to be him, it was you and all that. But I have to say, immediately after the checkers, he looks pissed. But maybe he's just happy. I don't know. He looks pissed, and then later, like mm, a minute later, he's happy. And he starts slapping you on the head that I think you may have got a concussion. He's hitting you so hard on the head on the top of the jump. That's the part where I kind of forgot a lot of the race immediately yeah. after. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's just hitting you on the head like as hard as he can. It's like, jeez. <clears throat> so I would have to agree with you. He wanted to, you know, have this, uh, and I've never talked to him about it, but yeah. this is just my take. He wanted to, I got stuck in the gate and I still won the race and he didn't win the race so i think right. that he was pissed and then he went oh but my my buddy doug won okay all right yeah i, I yeah. can live with this yeah he you know he and he, he didn't just get stuck in the gate pull back and go i mean dude he's four seconds behind the last place guy in the first well, he like, almost because you know how we caught, crossed back over the he, start yeah they almost didn't let him go they were kind of jumping out in front of him he's like oh no yeah today yeah yeah he uh he rode great i mean he rode amazing but yeah it, it didn't it didn't happen. So I was going to ask you what you did after this night, if it was a huge celebration, but no, it was just Denny's. You say that like, come on, Weech, you got me here. Denny's can be a, a very, very high-end meal. You know? <laughs> okay, good point. There was no coupons, so sorry. We, we just paid full tilt, but yeah, it, it was still a good night. We laughed, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. I'm with you. I've had many a great night at Denny's. I don't know what your problem is, Steve. <laughs> Okay, all right, sorry. Okay. All right, we're on the same page. Okay, all right. Um, so, what a night. San Jose, Lee at Re-Raceables, Doug Dubach. Um, I, I I guess, for, well, for, do you still have the trophy? Where's the trophy? I do still have the okay. trophy. It, it got damaged in uh, a move from one house to another, and one of my employees uh, had it fixed. Oh, and so it nice. is still intact. Good, good. Uh, another thing, I'm then we can get this on the record right now because I'm so confused about your career in a, in a way like, and Weege, maybe Weege, uh, let me, let me see if you're in the same boat as me. Okay. What years was Dubok a full factory rider? And what years was he just a support guy? Uh, I have no clue. Me neither. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. No, like, let's, 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 because I thought at this point, Doug, I thought at this point you were a support guy, but McCarty's, they're on the team, on the TV show, they're talking about you as factory, McCarty's talking about you as if you're on the factory team, your bike's obviously the same, um, but good God, like there's, you floated in this netherworld, but for the record, on the Elite Erasables, what years did you get a factory salary from Yamaha? 1989. Mm-hmm. 1990. 
1991, I was technically a privateer. I was oh, not in see? Their, <laughs> okay. I was not in their press packet. Mm -hmm. It was just Emig and Bradshaw. And then 92 and 93, I was again receiving $12 from that company in Cyprus. <laughs> But okay, did you get? A, is this bike a factory bike in this race? Yes, yeah. I had I had everything. Okay. In that respect, yeah. And you know, I, everything I did was like uh, being a factory guy. <clears throat> but they gave me X amount of money to hire an old BMX guy as my mechanic, and they leased me a box van for one dollar. And yeah, so it, it was that. Okay. You are you are our premier B guy. <laughs> So the 89 and 90, though, full factory on the yep. everything. Everything, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I got $11 those years. <laughs> okay. 91 factory bike, no salary. Yeah, only a, a, a um, whatever, just money to pay money. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and then 92, yeah. 93, factory again. Back on board, yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, Wait, we for real. <laughs> what? We got it settled. I, I just, I never know. I never knew what was going on. You got bikes, parts. Sometimes the factory bikes, sometimes not. I, you, you look the same as, but then you're a privateer. Oh, good God, Doug. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, just a just a journeyman. You know, just a working class. <laughs> you know, blue collar oh. guy out there putting in the time. Okay. Uh, we got that settled. Another thing that I learned from this pod that I can't believe I never knew was how you got the nickname Dr. D. Now, I just assumed you were, you know, maybe maybe your buddies are like, you, you're so surgeon-like or you're precise or, like, I, I don't even know, right? Like, something to do with your riding ability or whatever. And in this show, in this supercar show, you say you got the name Dr. D because you got hurt a bunch and visited a bunch of doctors one year. So, and then, well, let me throw one more twist. Okay. Okay. That. <laughs> because, so, yeah, I, I was getting pants because, yeah, I did get hurt a bunch there for probably 18 months. You know, I was barely racing. But, uh, so, they were sending me pants, you know, the doctor and the surgeon and, you know, just different things. Well, because there was little bits of talk oh you know he's so precise on the track he's like a surgeon blah 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 and, and i always assumed because i was hurt so much well then i said something it might have even been on your podcast but uh, an o'neill employee reached out to me and said well in fact uh, julius irving the basketball player dr yep, j, dr. j yep so he was retiring uh, in that must have been right around there, you know, 89 or so. Mm -hmm. And he, that's what he said. Oh, we sent you the surgeon and we sent you the doctor. But then I sent you Dr. D kind of on this vein of Dr. J. And okay. Like, okay. Whoa. There's another twist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because in, in this show, you're like, yeah, I broke a bunch of things, and my friends started saying, you're going to the doctor all the time, so they started calling me Dr. D. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This blew my mind. I'm like, what? <laughs> just, just my whole life, I thought it was because, you know, you were precise on the track or whatever. And I'm just like. So let's go with that. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> it's better than you saw the doctor a whole bunch in a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, I. I think yeah. I paid for those guys. All their kids go through college there for a couple of years. 
Yeah, but you know, okay, maybe there's an 18-month span where it may or may not have led to the nickname. But I actually feel when we're talking this, yeah, 89 through 93, for example, I felt like one of the things you had to offer was that you pretty much seem to show up every week. I don't remember you missing, like, tons of races or being out of control. or I mean, maybe you were hurt and you were still racing, but it seemed like you were actually the opposite, I thought. Well, yeah, and I was at nearly every race, but that was just out of old-school ignorance, you know. Oh. Where, <laughs> not quite cutting casts off, but there, there was that a time or two. But, you know, back then, you know, you had to race to make money, and, uh, you know, that was just the way that most of us did it. You know, just wrapped it up and went. And, I see. You know, that was always kind of a, you know, a, a frustrating weekend when, you know, because if you're on the track, everyone assumes you're healthy. And that's, you know, where, wow, you know, you didn't look that good today. Well, yeah, that's because I had knee surgery four days ago. God. Now, did you have any. You're at the doctor. You're did at you... the doctor. I was at the doctor. <laughs> did you have any idea uh, at this point that Damon got caught in the gate? Or did you remember? Do you do you? <clears throat> I did. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just at some point, maybe like five blocks to go or something, he started appearing. Yeah, I could see him. He was hitting the triple that uh, I talked about yep. while I was coming through the next rhythm section. I went, "Oh boy, <laughs> where's that light flag?" <laughs> he was coming. I could see him coming fast. Yeah, yeah. There's not much that stops him when he's on one of those nights. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, well, he said you rode him all the time. You know, it's funny. Uh, Jeff Emig has said over and over that he has never, except maybe James Stewart, but Emig didn't ride, like, test and train with Stewart. He's like, maybe he could have done it. But he's like, I've never ridden with a guy as explosive and as aggressive as Bradshaw. And he's like, honestly, it was, like, disheartening. Like, if you go to the Supercross track with Bradshaw, it was just like, oh, my God. So I'm sure you got to see that up close a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, and that's true. You know, I... I always tried to look at it as, a, you know, an asset to hang around him to try and, you know, just rub some of that on me kind of an approach. But, yeah, he was, yeah, <clears throat> James Stewart's probably one of the only other guys that would just do things that you'd just scratch your head. And, and, and David was certainly in that category. The... Um... You know what's weird, Doug, is so you you won this night in San Jose. The next night, the next year in San Jose, you get third. And your only other Supercross, 450 Supercross podium, is at the Coliseum in 89. So you have, you have three, four. California guy. Yeah, yeah, you're a California guy. Or San, I was going to say a San Jose guy. You felt yeah. the vibes in San Jose. <laughs> That's right. Do you know the way? Yes, I do know the way to San Jose. Yeah, yeah, because it was obviously pretty good to you for your career um, as far as the 450 Supercross class goes, you know? Um, yes, yes, yeah. And it was funny. It was the same three of us on the podium that next year when I was third. Yeah. Did you uh, – so we, we've – you know, we did we did uh, Atlanta 90 with Wardy a few weeks back, uh, and that was another Cooper race, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we, we've done a few of these where we are laughing – Weege and I are laughing at the the chicken Bradshaw Cooper, Larocco, Larry Ward stuff. I mean, all of the they're just it's it's a different time in moto. You never really got involved in any of this, did you? Yeah, did you, I don't remember any. Uh, did you see that time that guy cleaned out Dubok, or did you see Dubok clean out that guy? You seem like you're like I don't want him to be involved with these idiot kids. Yeah, you know I tried to. Stay clear, you know, stay in my lane, so to speak. But yeah, it was, 
you know, you can stay away from trouble or you can walk right in the middle of it. And so I think it's just a, a different approach. And, you know, <laughs> as you named some of those, they, they were yeah. ready to walk right in the middle of it. Like there was watching this race again after Cooper gets chicken. There's no room there, Jeff. There's no room. And he just sends it to the inside. And, like, he could have took second. He would have got second. Or maybe he gets Cooper back. Who knows? But, no, he just, yeah, I'm just going to just just send it here and take us both out. You're like, what are you thinking, chicken? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess that's what a lot of people said back then. What are you thinking, chicken? Well, yeah, and I know that I was not too far away when the uh, Oklahoma thing happened the week before. Mm-hmm. I was within eye shot, I'll say that, <laughs> when it happened. And, uh so I, and I knew their personalities. Not so much Coop. Coop yeah. just wanted to race, but I knew, you know, Chicken's just, you know, made some bad choices along his career, and I was just waiting for that yeah. to, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> to rear its ugly head, which it did. So you mentioned that this is the one of the years you had a factory bike, but no, uh, no salary, just some money to pay a mechanic and a box van or whatever. What so did you get a huge bonus for this? Did your bonuses go big? Did you get a Yamaha just a standard Yamaha contingency for this win? Do you, do you remember? So I managed to get. I'm pretty sure it was restructured from the standard, mm-hmm. but um, it, yeah. So I made a good amount. And you want to know the biggest check I received that night was mm-hmm. from our good old buddy Ebenezer uh, O'Neill, <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty satisfying i mean and i love jim you know i've, yeah, I've been of with him for uh, about 112 years but <laughs> um <clears throat> that was so satisfying and he claims he was happy to write me the check so at that point i, I think it was 7500 bucks to win a supercross uh-huh. from o'neill yep and i told him at the beginning of the year because of course he beat me up we are not a factory rider Doug. so oh. you know, we're gonna have to make some adjustments and so i said uh, okay okay pay me double i said pay me whatever you want salary but pay me double contingency because i just you know i yeah 89 was a great year for me 90 was the year i was full of injuries and even that bled into um 91 mm-hmm. but uh i was just i was confident that i was going to make some money if you paid me good consistency so he had to write me a check for 15 grand the the price nice. was only i think five and i think yamaha's modified contingency was like 10 so yeah jim yeah was, uh, jim was the this was big donor. This was an under. We have not. We do our categories every show, Doug, and we do lit kit for the best looking rider. And this was an underrated O'Neill look with the big O'Neill wrapped around the leg. I've always liked this look. I thought it looked good. I don't know. That was me. Well, I mean, you know, I, I got the the <laughs> rough end of everyone's comments. You know, it's a floor mat and <laughs> how much those things weigh, and you know, just all that stuff. But yeah, I kind of. Hidden in there, there was some pretty good kits there that was. they rolled out. So No, there was. And we, so last time Doug was on the Pulp Show, uh, we got to the bottom, I believe we got to the bottom, Doug, of who's been with O'Neill longer, you or Jim Hawley. And, oh. And because, I mean, when you think of O'Neill, right, you think of two guys that have literally worn O'Neill. Absolutely. For forever. Yeah. And, and Doug, it, it's Jim, right? Well, in, in actual years, but if you go and, and you, 
say racing years because Jim's mm. had a few little holidays along the way. <laughs> right. I think I'd pass him up. Oh, for sure. But it's just a continuous O'Neill, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got me covered by a few years. Well, continuous racing, I always found it funny. Um, I mean, I remember you came back at Loretta's and you pretty much cleaned up as soon as you showed up. And uh, the thing I kept saying back then is I'm like, yeah, because I don't think Doug Dubach ever retired in any way, shape, or form. Like, we we have dates of, like, this is when this rider retired. This is when this rider retired. This is when this guy, this was this guy's last year. Uh, have you even had that still? Have you ever well, retired? You know, it's funny. Davey, <laughs> he wanted to do this big story on me. And I'm like, okay, cool. And we went through the whole thing. And then he kind of, it was almost this funny moment where he goes, you're not retiring? <laughs> like yeah. that was his angle of the whole story yeah <laughs> and then i'm like no i've got no intent of retiring <laughs> i like to ride my dirt bike so yeah i went right. on a, i mean my last I, this was probably somewhere in the mid 90s that davy did that story on me but mm-hmm. i think the last national i rode was in 01 at the ripe old age of 38 which is the youngster by nowadays standards these guys are i don't know they got the fountain of youth in their backyard but yeah, but 38 is ancient pretty old. back then. It, it, yes. one, 38, you were an antique on the motocross track. But, oh, yeah. So yeah. what's the longest you've been off a bike, non-injury? Like, what What are we talking about? Oh, non-injury? Um, three days. But <laughs> 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 no, I take that back. I, I yeah. just got back from a little vacation. I yeah. raced in Italy, but then the wife drug it a little longer. So that was like seven days. Right. Right. Uh, that was a new record. Yeah. So you just <laughs> never stop. We never, re- I mean, you raced the World Vets. I saw you at World Vets. And, uh, you know, yeah, you just don't stop. You just never. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like your schedule change. That's it. You just race different races. You just, it's not like you stop racing. They just maybe weren't AMA Supercross anymore. But the yeah, racing yeah, continued. Yeah. Those became dangerous at my age and my yeah. Yeah. skill level. Yeah. Um, Doug, and this is a question we asked Shorty uh, and we asked Ramsey and about their one win, right? Like, you had a great career. You podiumed outdoors a ton and, and indoors and factory rider and all of that. If you just – well, again, usually we talk about hanging the boots up, but you haven't done that clearly – but if you, if, so if you I'll, don't, I'll get back on that later. <laughs> if you don't get this one Supercross win, like do do you feel any different about your career? Do you feel any like uh, again? It was fantastic, but if you don't get the win, does it change anything? Or are you like when you when you do put your feet up at night, you're like I want a four fifty Supercross? Like, yeah, you know, I don't think it honestly changed much. I right. mean, it's nice. It's you know yep. great to be in the record books and uh, look i get to speak with you fine gentlemen on this morning but uh it's yeah i you know i had so many things that were highlights that you know stuck out as much or more you know having head-to-head battles with bale in geneva beating him and you know getting a few seconds and bursi and just some really great nights that you know the performance was there and so those are so satisfying and not that the performance wasn't there in San Jose in 91. I, I wrote great. I could have wrote a little better. You know, you always kind of, man, if I wanted this or would have that. Yeah. I, I, I love the gift. And, uh, again, being in the record books is being a super crowd. Right, right. A very a small group of people that can say that. So yeah, that those are all great, but you know, there's been some very high 
and uh, satisfying moments in my career. And yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's all good. I, I don't know if I would have never won one, how that would have felt, but yeah, I won some pretty big races around the world against some pretty stiff comp- competition. So yeah, no regrets. Yeah, yeah, because like you know, Ramsey and Shorty were both like. No, no. Like, if I hadn't won one, I, I would have been mad. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I would have a little bit of a hole in my sort of satisfaction level if I'd never gotten this one, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and I can totally understand that. Right. But, yeah, I just, I uh, don't know. No. That's a little different for me, I guess. Right. Hey, Doug, you uh, were always known, or eventually became known at least, as like a real development testing guy. Uh, did you have that knack back here in like your peak racing days or is that more of a thing that happened uh, as you got older? Um, actually, I did have that knack, uh, apparently, mm-hmm. and that's what helped get the door open for the factory side. Like, you know, mm-hmm. racing's on one side of the hallway, testing's on the other side. So I was one of the few guys that worked for both sides and and, and concurrently. I mean, I, <clears throat> I was in Ed Scheidler, and I just talked to him yesterday. Um, and he, uh, he loves to tell me the story that I came to him at Mammoth and sat on his bumper because I knew other testing guys locally and said, give me a chance. And, you know, 37 years later, I'm still a test rider for those guys, but uh, you know, kind of early on, I I just, whatever, you know, I'm a very analytical kind of guy, grew up around all the stuff. My dad was a drag racer and I just, you know, always had my hands and I was a poor racer so i would split my own cases you know on my 81 rm125 so you know i mean i i had a very deep understanding of how things work so i think it did certainly because that was 86 i got the job with those guys so that just helped through my testing and you know just hard work you know and everything i did on that side of the hallway some doors started to open i would go and help develop some suspension or engine spec or whatever for the racing guys. So I got to know them all really well. And then, you know, in 88, they gave me pretty much a full set of, you know, almost a full factory bike. I'm sure there are some things missing, but I was riding those little uh, Mickey Thompson races. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I went and I won a couple of those. And I think that sort of opened the door even further and, and, uh, yeah, and then getting my first podium, that was kind of my rookie year at Supercross where I podiumed at uh, L.A. Coliseum. So With a know, great st- with a great story about Jim Hawley, by the way. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 We yeah. can't have to get that <laughs> element. Uh, I'm sure he was just in my van looking for some O'Neill gear. Yeah, that was it. He was just in the van with the doors closed che- <laughs> looking for tear-offs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can that one. With weeds when we're off. The, yeah, yeah, I will. The, uh, uh, I think I figured it out. <laughs> um, I think I know what was going on in that van. No, I mean, it was really the security at LA Coliseum's fault because you, you could easily lift that chain link up and invite the guests in. So, you know, we know where to put the blame. Yeah. It's a VIP tour. Hey, you want to see one of these box vans? Let me show you what it's like. This was not mine, but hey, no. come on, man. Buddy, this is my buddy Doug. Let me show you my buddy's Doug. My buddy Doug's yeah. van. Oh, man. What I do enjoy about the story here, though, is so I didn't realize you were actually testing for Yamaha in 86, so years before you were on the factory team. So yeah. we see all this loyalty. You're with Yamaha and O'Neill forever. But also, just like anybody else, if you have a down season with injuries, 
They're like, no, you're not on the factory team. And then your gear, your gear brand is like, oh, well, that means we're going to pay you less. Like, they'll cut you right out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, that's the lovely side of any industry, really. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do for me today? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, it's and that's and that's something to touch on too. Like, I, I give Jimmy shit because he got hired as a factory rider. Uh, he was number twelve. He got a factory ride with Yamaha. He improved it to number ten, which is awesome, and he crushed it. Yep. And he got fired. And then I still to this day, I'm like Jimmy. This is '87. Buy a Honda because they're twice the bike back then. Well, I'm not twice the bike, but they're a better bike. Buy a Honda and give McCarty the finger and, you know, do it that way because you were number 10 overall. Like, you didn't deserve to lose a ride or whatever. And Jim was like, ah, I didn't perform. I didn't win. And I'm like, okay, Jim, but you were against RJ and Wardy. No one thought you were going to win. Anyways, his point is always, look, I stayed loyal. And I got a Mickey Thompson ride from that, and I won a bunch of money doing those things after a while, and Yamaha supported me, and they support me to this day. So did it come to a point, Doug, for you in those years where you were bouncing around, where you were like, I just I want to get something else, or did somebody offer you something else, or were you close to leaving Yamaha? So, yeah, there was, um, I believe it was at the end of 90. I a bunch of injuries and didn't perform all that great. Or no, it was the end of 91, actually. Honda approached me, and I had a letter of intent with Honda and because <clears throat> I had some gripes about, you know, Keith and I were getting along, and there was just some things internally. <clears throat> and then, yeah, things kind of worked out. And actually, that's one thing that I have laid awake at night, you know, instead of wondering if I how I would have felt if I had not won a Supercross, but if I would have signed that contract and walked away from from the Cypress guys, how mm-hmm. that would have shaped things. But, you know, in hindsight, I have a lot of great friends. I got, you know, I've had so many opportunities through testing and travel yep. and yep. just, you know, walking in the shoes that not many people get to walk in that I don't think I would have traded any of it for anything. So. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of what Jim says, right? Jim's like, yeah, like, look at all the things that's happened, you know? Uh, because I stayed there. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you got number 10 overall and you were fired. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, you know, Bevo still loves to tell the story back in, I don't know, late 80s when Smith Goggle came in and threw $1,000 at every privateer and virtually every one of them took that money. I was, he says, I was the only guy that stayed with Scott. And he and mm. so he loves to tell the story. He goes, I might not pay you the most, but I'll pay you the longest. And mm. he was right. He paid me <laughs> far, far longer than I would have ever got money from anyone. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, a lack of that, really, that loyalty in, mm-hmm. in motorsports. So uh, I guess it's appreciated. You know, I just always, if, if you're working for me, I'm going to give you my best. And that's just kind of how my approach has been and it's worked great for me i mean i've got great relationships and uh, i still to this day you know yeah. have uh, plenty of support to uh, go race my motorcycle so yeah i think i made the right decision yep yeah absolutely lee at re-raceables cool. with doug dubach here anything else for the doctor oh we no, always good to talk wait we always good to talk i one thing yeah. did you know the story of doug's 81 before he rode yamaha do you know the story of doug dubach and the 81 rm 
No, I that was I a didn't. Yamaha. That was a Yamaha interruption, not before I rode Yamaha. Oh, okay. My, my first race bike was a YZ80. Okay. Okay. So that's fair. The rumor, the word but I is. I do know you rode a Suzuki because it's just as shocking to hear that there was a. It's like my. I'm from New Jersey, right? So Barry Carson's my guy, and it's like if you ever one time a photo of him appeared uh, on a Kawasaki in like 2007, and people are like, "What?" <laughs> so when I saw a picture, yeah, of you on an RM. I don't know, I guess 125 back in the early 80s. I was like, what is this? But so I don't we, know this. But story. we he rode the same bike for, Doug, three years? Yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> I'll give you just a little more yeah. to it. Please, my, please let my, our listeners hear this story. Well, yeah. So my 81 Yamaha had some problems, which we <laughs> later found out it was porous cases. When the thing would get hot, it would air leak and seize. Anyway, I had so many problems with it. And so I was at a big purse race at Saddleback. I won the first moto, second moto, the bike ceases. And so I was at the end of my rope. So I was <clears throat> riding, um, I think, a, a night race later in that week, and I had no bike. And so my buddy said, here, just take mine, here. And that 81RM was like cheating because that was such a good bike. And I'm like, there's no way. Is this thing all stock? And yeah. so anyway, I ended up. Given my Yamaha's back, and I rode for Orange County Cycle, which many of us rode for back here, you know, and, and just up the street from where I live today. And uh, it was just a little support. You know, they get discounted bikes to help local racers. So I gave the bikes back. I went out and bought uh, a used 80. This is the end of 81. So I bought a used 81 for $550 from Anaheim Suzuki. And I raced that thing pretty much till 84. <laughs> what? what he would just whoop up on socal contingency for three years on the same bike yeah pretty much i mean that thing was so hammered by the time. well here's a, a little technical story i don't know how uh, technical you guys want to get but the the main bearings were so loose in the cases that i would <laughs> I had to roll pin the bearings so they wouldn't spin anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh! And you see, this is where I had my my depth of mechanic skills. You know, yeah. Obviously, my dad yeah. was a drag racer, but I I freaking put every form of patch and repair on that thing I could to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. No, it, <clears throat> it's it's great. You rode this RM in Cal in California just for years. Just yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and I'm, I would assume the bikes look changed enough. Did did people realize you were beating them on a bike that was two three years older than what they were? On? <laughs> well, there's only some real kind of color changes. '84 is when the bike really changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Then you know, there's my my rookie year down to Gainesville. Borrowed a Suzuki from Jody, I think it was, and went down there and got fifth in my first outdoor national attempt in the first moto. <laughs> On a used bike, uh, on a borrowed, borrowed bike. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, lo love that story. But, that, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you talk about not getting support. I went out there, you know, pickup truck, one bike, and ended up 10th overall and not not a chirp from anyone. And 85, uh, you're on Yamaha now, right? That's your first year? So, 85, same thing. I borrowed a bike. Think again from Jody. Started Gainesville on a Suzuki. Okay. By Hangtown, I was on Kawasaki's from Jim Castillo because he had bought bikes for Mike Brown. Flying Mike Flying Brown. Mike Brown, not, yeah. Not yep. the yep. current Mike Brown. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I rode those for a few weeks, and then we are on the East Coast back there in old Fairfax, Virginia, staying with some family friends, and got a phone call from Mike Aaron said he wanted to help me. 
So we drove to Pensacola, New Jersey, to a Yamaha oh, nice. warehouse and picked up a couple of 85 uh, YZ125s, two in a crate. Which were terrible, by the way. Well, thanks for reminding me, but yeah, they were terrible, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Those were terrible bikes. Uh, <laughs> so here, I don't know how far your reach is, but I'll, I'll tell this story, and maybe this guy will come back and haunt me down and, and kill me. But So it's the funny story. We're out in the freaking back roads in Minnesota, um, breaking these things in. And so we, we got, I don't know why, because we're stupid, but we got into a skid contest. How <laughs> you could, how long you could skid. Well, so this rear tire was almost new and you could you know, never run a production tire. That was a sin back then. Yeah. But so the way the thing started getting a flat spot on it, it, that's where it would stop every time in our skid contest. So we didn't think much about it, took it off. It was at the races, Millville. It was sitting there in the grass on the flat spot. I mean, the thing could have stood up by itself. <laughs> and this guy comes by and he goes, hey, I want to buy that tire. And my freaking mechanic sold it to him. <laughs> so this guy walks off and I'm like, oh, how, oh he bought that tire. I go, dude, look at that thing. You can't, I mean, it was you can't the sell that. freaking yeah. cords. Yeah. So, <laughs> see it. New. so that guy realized somewhere and he's probably still angry. <laughs> Some dude in Minnesota has been waiting 30-plus years to figure out how you snowed him. Yeah, yeah that's right. But yeah. he's probably just took it like a man. Oh, you got me. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah really, right? I hope so. <laughs> Final sale. That is great. That's great. Uh, awesome, man. Well, yeah, 91 San Jose. What a night. Uh, we, we and I have had great laughs about the chicken and Cooper stuff. And uh, and then Bale, he had, he had clinched the title already. He didn't care. He was riding around. Then he fell and and, uh, and everything yeah, worked together. Yeah, he had together. that little fall and just uh, kind of said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm out. Um, but uh, what a night. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, cool to do it. And, of course, the McGrath clinches as well on this night with a broken leg. He clinches his... Uh, his second 125 title as well. So, um, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for doing this, Doug. Really appreciate the time. Great stories as always. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Always good talking with you. Cool. Thanks, Doug. All right, take care. Good stuff from Doug. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's great, man. Um, I, I don't, oh, one of the best personalities yeah, in I, sport. I don't know um, – I don't know what I just thought was was funnier the uh, the RM story that I know you'd never heard but I'd heard a few times before. That's yep. unbelievable. Yep, unbelievable. The Jim Hawley LA Coliseum box fan story, which was told on our <laughs> pulp show a few months back. Why did Jim not use his own? I don't know. That's the <laughs> question that shall forever go. Uh, well, maybe Al was there. Maybe Al was busy. Like I don't know. Oh, they were working on Jim's bike, so it's like if you want to do this, go in Doug's box van. <laughs> well, like Dubok was at the podium, he said for a long time doing interviews and everything. So there was just opportunity. Was, I guess was, so. His box van was just open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jim, he, he's he's a great. He's great. He's fantastic. Uh, so there's that, love Jim. Yeah, there's that story also. So. Um, you ever gonna tell your Jim Holly story in the public? You ever gonna un- um, unveil it? Like, is there yeah, is there like a tw- I, so I, like a twentieth year? I've told the story so many times, I can't remember when it's public or not. Right? Yeah, the, I don't uh, think you've told it publicly, but maybe no, like on a twenty. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have a special pulp show or something. Twentieth <laughs> anniversary Age after dark. <laughs> right, right. Yes, I did. 
not to spoil it here, but in yeah. 2005 or six, me and uh, Mike Farber, who is also our uh, our merchandise guy at Racer X, he was at all the races, and he was our like intern assistant on uh, the Supercross webcast that I did with Holly. He would get us results and all this. So one weekend, we're just like Jim, it's time. Farber and I want the full mm-hmm. menu when it, whenever you got something lined up. Well, of course he he only needed one weekend. He's like. Next weekend, San Francisco. Let's go. Let's do it. And uh, it was unbelievable. Oh, and uh, yeah, great. I mean, I-, I can talk about it. I was single at the time, and uh, I was only willing to partake in this one weekend. It was more than I could handle. It was uh, just it was, that, it was uh, like a, like you had to do it before you die type deal. Yeah. Yes, yes. But to think that Jim was able to have weekends like this for fifty some years, and I had one weekend, and I'm like, I can't, I can't handle. And the other thing about it was it was so well organized. I mean, Jim literally had appointments. Like he had like a five o'clock, a seven o'clock, a nine o'clock, different uh, friends mm-hmm. lined up in different locations. Yeah. And the efforts that he put in for them to not know, like he would literally be on the phone with one, like the seven o'clock. Hey, I got bad news. Uh, my TV producer, we got to stay at the stadium until 630. So I'm going to be a little late. Then he'd click over and call the nine o'clock. And be like, hey, I got good news. I just got out early. Can we can we meet up now? It's great. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so someday I'll talk about the yeah. the full Jim Holly experience. Yeah, yeah, maybe one night in San Francisco, two thousand five. <laughs> oh, like a twentieth year anniversary or something. Yeah, something yeah, like, like you know what I mean? Maybe. Like something like that. Yes. Uh, yep. anyways, uh Leah Reraceables. Thanks to the folks at Leah. If you want a discount from them, use the contact form on Pulpamex and we'll get it done. All right, time for the categories. From the folks mm-hmm. at Leah. Again, thank you to Scott, Maxis, Pro Taper, and Guts. And like I said, Weege off the top, we got a couple new guys coming on board in 2023. So we're committed to doing these. So you, you better, you know, you better uh, get, get get ready. We're doing more. We better find more Guy Cooper races to talk about. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Uh, all right, Leah, re-racing categories for this race. Uh, who really run? Who really won the race? I mean, you could go Bradshaw. Dead last yeah, to could. second. But you got to go I mean, Dubok. Dubok wins, and I want to give that to him. That is awesome. Um, can I just, out of sympathy, say Guy Cooper? <laughs> I mean, the poor guy. He was the fastest guy. He was. Well, poor. no, Bradshaw was faster, but got caught in the game. Yes. But. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll go Dubok. I'll go Doug. I'll go Dubok. I'm just going to say Cooper because I just feel horrible for the guy. Okay. All right. Fair yep. enough. Um, who's that guy award? Not not too many choices for this one, um, for obvious reasons. Like we kind of know everybody in it. Um, even if you go to one twenty fives, it's not that much. I will go. There's a few. All right, who, what do you got? Who do you got? Uh, there's there's two in the uh, one twenty five class that I do not know. Uh, so I will just pick seventeenth um, place, Dwayne Benner from Oceanside, California. I've not heard of him. Okay, fair enough. Um, made two main events in his career. It looks like um, L- this, and then L.A. the next weekend, and that's it. Oh, he was just, Dwayne he, was on a hot streak. He was just in and out. Yeah, he was uh, on a hot streak. Well, it wasn't in. I mean, he who knows? He could have been in LCQs. Yep. Yeah. For thirty other races, but he made two in a row, and that's it. Right ahead of uh, a guy named Dave Castillo. Yeah. 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 We definitely heard of him. Dwayne Benner. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I was going to go two fifty class. The furthest back I got is in the LCQ, mm-hmm. uh, 10th place, Andy Grider. Never heard of him. 
Heard, no. heard ever uh, my guy Rich Taylor six didn't make the main event. Keith Bowen, who was like sixteenth in the points, didn't make the main event. So that's a bit of upset for Keith Bowen in ninety one. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'll go Andy Grider tenth in the LCQ, uh, but Dwayne Benner is a good one also uh, for sure. All right, Lit Kid Award. Well, like I said, I really like Doug's look. And it's up there. It's an underrated look. It had O'Neal wrapped around the leg. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you remember what that looked like? Yeah. Yeah. The, the O'Neal is either silver or gray. Silver grayish. But you have logos. to. There is only one. And I'm sorry. It, it's the it's the Damon Bradshaw uh, paint splatter yeah. Axo look. I mean, you yeah. just. You, that's it. That's it. Yes. This. First of all, I feel this is a real low point. I don't know what was going on. I've, I've said this several times. There's like a four or five year span where I don't know what people are thinking with colors. Um, I feel like the 90 gear was still like the end of like the neon 80s, which I did think was cool. And then we get into this era of purples, dark colors, uh, Yamaha. I know they really tried to claim their bikes were um, magenta. Yeah. But... My, my kid who comes in unbiased, he was not around at this time. He's only eight years old. He's like, they're pink. Why are their bikes pink? I'm like, I don't know, man. And then why? I'm just going to have to start going off on rants. Everybody's bikes looked horrible this year. Why did Honda put a white shroud on their bike? It looked the 90. Would you agree that the 1990 CR250R is one of the best looking motorcycles ever? Well, I'll even do you one better. I have a 91 CR500 in my garage. That's mm -hmm. my own personal bike. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I put red shrouds on for nine. Thank you. I, I you mean, couldn't do the white, right? No, I, I made my bike look one year older on purpose. Yes. Yeah. 90 looks amazing. And they managed to screw it up. They put white shrouds on it. Why would you do that? I guess um, they had no budget and they were like, we got to do something. <laughs> so just, Oh, to make it look different. Yeah. They're like, we got to do something. We have no money. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, this is the famous era, 91 and 92 of the Suzuki's with the just absolutely outlandish, outrageous graphics. The sparkles on the side number plates. Um, there were so many bad looks. Yeah. I mean, between the terrible looking bikes and gear well, and the races being demoted off of ESPN, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a dark era of my life. Yeah, Yamaha just went orange, just orange. It's just like, what are you doing? Just They're yeah. pink. It's not orange, it's pink. No, it's orange. This, the factory bikes are orange. That's darn close to pink. The, the, it is. Yes, the production bikes, they call magenta. Yeah. It looked purple. Yep. The factory bikes. I believe during this time when the races were first getting on TV, the team's at least aim was to make the bikes brighter to be seen on television. So I, maybe that's why they went from the purple production to mm -hmm. the pinkish orange. But I'm, I'm saying this is more pink than orange, I feel. Uh, I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here and say that I think, and I've said this for a while, front and back chest protection should be mandatory in Supercross and Motocross, like like it is mm -hmm. in MXGP. So, yep. you know, just a, a, a plastic shell of some sort should be worn for protection all the time. However, I cannot give Jeff Montasevich the lit kit for his Tai Chi gear because he wears a chest protector, uh, HRP <laughs> chest protector. Chicken was always a chest pro advocate. Odd for a guy that lives life so dangerously <laughs> off the track. <laughs> Probably, you know, take some, right. some illegal substances I'm sure did some crazy things. Yes, but yet on the track, he's like, I gotta be protected. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta wear chest pro at all times. You, it's a very, uh, yeah. very weird thing with chicken. So I can't. His Tai Chi stuff looks good, but I can't give it to him because of the chest pro. So, yeah, the Tai Chi stuff, and uh, that's what Bale 
Is Bale and Taichi? No, no Bale J- goes to Taichi the next year. Yeah, Bale's yes. in that next year. Yep. Bale is Bale the last JT champion? Yeah, I believe so. Probably unless, is, right? unless, did did Alessi win anything when he was wearing JT when he was back? <laughs> I, don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, Bale. So that's right. Bale goes out for JT on top. He goes to the Taichi. What were they? They're road racing, right? Is that what it was? They were road racing leather. Uh, they brand? made leather. They, I don't know if they were. Yes. They, were, they were a leather company that got into Moto Gear. Yeah. Right. Well, what I was going to say is, yeah, I have to admit, um, they were only around, I guess, for two years. I don't think anyone was running it in '93. Um, for a brand new company in the space, their gear actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah. No, it, it really was. Yeah. Um, um, but Bradshaw to me is the only one that has good looking gear during this era. Thanks to Axo, who just could not be stopped. Even if the era, the styles of the day were horrible, their gear was still good. And then they kept getting better and better leading to like 92, 93 Axo gear with Bradshaw and Stanton, which in my mind is the all time high watermark for gear. This is the beginning. 91, Bradshaw's looking pretty good. And then over the next two years, just absolutely unbelievable, the AXO era. Shit kid award. Uh, I, I don't like the TX10 stuff Stanton's got. This is the sort of like the straight lines across. and Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm not a fan of it. Um, there's not a lot of yep. photos of this race around, but what do you got? You got anything? Yeah, Stanton's TX10 gear is not good. I think that's answer that. Yeah, um, yeah, and then eventually TX10 would become AXO, and they just basically made it look. It was like ninety nine percent just AXO. Yeah, it didn't look because I feel like Stanton stuff looked marginally different than regular answer gear. Somewhat, you could tell it was the same, but not identical. Um, then somehow AXO got in on that, and that was what we talked about this on the show. This was Honda basically like, "Hey, these gear companies make a lot of gear. Let's start making our own gear so we can make that money too." Yeah, yep. Um, which I'm sure the industry loved that. And the dealers, but. yeah, yeah, they're, they're stoked on that. I'm sure. Uh, I did hey, a- can you can you imagine, Steve? Can you imagine our man JT right now at Fly Racing Western Power Sports? If a memo comes across their desk that says, "Let's just pick a company, KTM. They've got three brands, so let's just pick them." Uh, KTM is now going to try to win the gear brand battle, and they are going to try to squeeze WPS and Fly out of dealerships and force dealers to sell only. Their own gear. Can you imagine what would JT's reaction be? Ah, oh, common, common, <laughs> rational, for sure. But I believe that's what was happening yeah. in this era. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep. Wow, Honda's it, like we're gonna Fox get out of the way. We're we're gonna dominate gear uh, also, but yeah, it didn't look good. The whole mid '90s Fox battle with outfitting a team, and then you know it cost Damon Huffman a ride because he stuck with Axo and Kudrowski mm-hmm. fought it. And then Fox was fighting it for a while, and then Fox turned around. Pete did turn around and signed the whole team, and Jim Hale, made Jim Hale irate, right? Because the gear mm. companies were trying to take a stand against this, and then Fox went and said, "Yeah, we're, we're okay, fine. Yeah, we'll sign the whole team up. Yamaha, you're all Fox, oh. you know." <laughs> they, um, they turned. Yeah, uh, yeah. racing categories. Where's JT? Well, it's '91, and uh, we talked about this with the um, with the uh, um, the Atlanta one. Uh, or no, the, the, I don't think JT sorry. made his way all the way out to California. No, though. we don't think he's here. Yeah, and Cindy might be though. I don't think Cindy did San Jose back in the day. Oh, but, okay. But maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah. he, he's in Florida. He's grinding away. By the way, in the um, I was kind of looking for this race in Cycle News to look at, and just a side note, I'm going to bring this around to Tim Ferry in case you're wondering. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, Tishner. Number fifteen. Is that why number fifteen? No, no. But oh. good, great point. Doug Doug's running fifteen. Um, 
Ron Tishner, tough privateer guy uh, at this point, off of Factory Suzuki, uh, 10th fastest in the 250 main event. And the issue before this or after this or right around this in Cycling News in 91 has a young Tim Ferry beating Ronnie Tishner at Gatorback in a Florida Winter Am. That's a big deal, right? So you look at Tishner's getting 10th in a 250 main event. Good rider, Ronnie was. Yeah. And then a young Tim Ferry beats him. Like, that's got to be like, if you're Tishner, you're like, screw this kid. And if you're Timmy, you're like, that's awesome. I just beat a dude who got 10th. Although Timmy's probably clueless. But somebody around Timmy would have been like, oh, wow, you just beat a guy who got 10th <laughs> in the 250 man event. You know? So. <laughs> I would hope that Tishner is enough of a local legend where even Timmy was aware no, that Tishner was a bad dude. No, I know Timmy was aware of that. But if you said, hey, Tim, Tishner got 10th at San Jose. The week before, the week after, like whatever. Oh, he didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have known that. You know what I mean? No. So no. Anyway. he just knows he's fast. Right, right. That's it. That that that's all he would know. Uh, by the way, Mike Krodowski, uh, ninth in this race. Never saw him once. Never saw him once. Uh, the whole the whole race. So, um, yep. All right, last category: the Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best that you completely forgot about. I mean, Weege, I think there's just one guy. But what do you got? Um. Um, I'm wondering if this is w- which way you're going to go here. Okay. Uh, is it is it Fisher getting another fourth? Yes, it's Fisher. Yeah, I feel like it is only known because, um, you know, he, okay, Fisher's on KTM. KTM was atrocious in Supercross throughout their history. And then all of a sudden in 91, Fisher goes from, what, Cowie test rider yep. and somewhat racer to mm-hmm. KTM. In 91, he was awesome. He was. So because he was awesome, I feel like it was remembered that he almost got some podiums, had a bunch of fourths and fifths. Um, they went with the white and mint. I think, was this the mint? <laughs> this is the mint, going back mint. to what you were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. This is the mint. Mint. And then the next year, I think, was purple. Again, what? Pur- I don't understand everybody. Purple. I, I, this is a manly, tough sport. Can I say the word manly these days, or is it not? Is that PC? Is that okay? Yeah. Why purple? Pink and purple. I don't get it. All right. I understand, like, the pink gear on um, Glover and Jackie Vimone in the 80s. It was more like an ironic, like, you're such a bad dude, you can wear pink yeah, and get away with it. it. Was, we're yeah. aware that it's yeah. pink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Fisher, I thought it was known, but I, I thought it was at the beginning of the year. I did not remember that at the end of the year he comes all the way back and gets a fourth again. Yeah, he, he's, he did really well this year, and the bike wasn't great. And he beat Chicken, and he beat... Cooper, because they're laying on the ground, but Larocco and, Le- and Jeff Ward. By the way, Jeff Ward. I almost, up, I almost sent him a text. What the hell? He goes from leading to seventh. And he had won the previous weekend, so you, know you figure he's feeling I'm, good. I'm sending him a text. Do it. This, this, yeah. will, this will not stand, because th- that doesn't happen to Wardy. Fading. He just yeah. faded. Yeah. Um, and plus, when he takes the lead and they keep mentioning that he won the previous weekend, I'm sure anyone in the stadium at that point is like, oh, we're just going to win two in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Right. He won last week. He's in the lead. He's pulling away. And then he just fades. Yeah. yeah. Please uh, tell me. And knowing Ward, there's a better than 50 percent chance that he probably broke his ankle on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Like, th- I don't mean that he got hurt a lot. I just mean like. Even though he's racing, no, he's, kind of the no, two box point, right? He, he he may have broken a femur at the lap ten, <laughs> and just kept, and still got seven. <laughs> it just kept going. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And that to do, that's the point Dubok made, right? Like we were hurt all the time. We just still raced and yeah. then people would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, right. I'd say there's a good chance that Wardy has an injury that no one ever knew about. Yeah, I just, I just, text, I just texted like him. Uh, we'll see. if okay. It may be in the social posting. If he gets back to me in the social posting, I'll put it okay. on Instagram if, if he doesn't get back to us uh, by the time he's doing this. Because, yeah, very uncharacteristic Jeff Ward performance. That 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 does not happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'll go Fisher, yeah, for the Jacob Marsak Award. Really, really strong race. Fourth over fourth in the main event, uh, again, on the KTM. So uh, he had a few rides like this, like you mentioned. So I'll go Fisher. Do you agree? Well, one other guy I was going to throw in there. It starts getting a little obscure as a Marsac Award. So the Heft brothers uh, were, mm-hmm. were good racers, but their dad, Darren, I knew that he was a pro, but I didn't know he was this level. Like he, I think it's 14th in the 125 main. Um, the sad story of the Heft is Tyler, who is really fast, like legit amateur. He crashed and uh, died in a crash. Um, I'm looking it up here. He was 14. And then Justin, his, his the other brother, he ended up being pro. You remember Justin has? Yeah, he was like a um, sneaky pulp yeah. fantasy guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He might have even been on a, was he maybe on a solitaire team, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he switched into racing off road. But Tyler unfortunately passed. And but I knew they had a dad that was fast, but I didn't know it was this level making mains. I didn't. So Darren Heff's going to be my winner here. Jacob Marsak Award. I didn't even know they yeah. uh, they had it. They well, I, I knew they had to have a dad. So yes, they do have a dad. <laughs> I, I didn't know they even had a dad. No, I didn't know their the dad. Birds and the bees. Yes, I, yes. I didn't know their dad raced. So, ah, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's cool. One other one you were mentioning in there. You're uh, hovering in the top ten. One other guy you want to mention? Our my guy Dana Wiggins, tenth. W- Wiggles, former factory mechanic for for Tim Ferry. Good job for for Wiggles at this point. Tenth. Uh, one of the few guys that I called for a podcast and was like, Nah, I didn't do nothing, man. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> really yeah yeah wiggles is like no nah, man no nah, like there's nothing there i barely raced um wiggles uh he's out totally out of motor yeah he works now, at right? toyota now trd yep yeah yep. long time mechanic for yep. factory uh cowie and yeah i mean uh, this isn't uh jacob marsak like i remember wiggins being fast yeah 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 no wiggins wiggles grew up with jeremy and phil lawrence and all those d- dudes as, as good as them and you know in yeah. that class so yeah you know, yep. yes. Uh, you know what's really weird about this race, too, by the way, and I, I'm, I'm, I need to talk to somebody about this race is there's in cycle news the 250, so 450 class. They list the qualifier one and two, and a concy in the results before the heat race. Meaning, I think this is the daytime qualifiers. They had daytime Supercross qualifiers. Yeah, they used to have daytime Supercross qualifiers, right? I mean, everybody has to get in the night show, right? Yeah, I guess so. So th- they're never listed in Cycle News. Like, I did some of them myself, right? Um, they're never listed in the results. And for this 91 San Jose, they're listed in the results. Like, Kehoe has to ride a daytime qualifier. Jimmy Gaddis does because he's a 125 guy at this point. Um, and so... My reason for saying this is they're listed in the results and then the heat races and then the semis and then the LCQ, right, for the night show. But shout out to Chris Young, California privateer guy. Mm-hmm. He won the daytime LCQ to get into the nice. night show and then wins the LCQ to get into the main. Whew. Shout out that's Chris Young. It. Yeah, coming in under yeah. pressure, right? That's that's doing it. Yeah, so this is because it's before almost – is it before transponders and and – 
you know, qualifying based on your lap time. Oh, uh, well, but they even had trans- even when they had transponders, they were doing qualifiers, daytime yeah. qualifiers. Yeah, that didn't matter. They were just that it's one was of the things the I format. love about the world here that you can't solve any problems ever. So, yes, I remember the day. I didn't. Re- I did not realize Supercross used to have daytime qualifiers. Certainly, the national. Well, how did you? They went how 10. did you think that they got forty guys in the night show? Yeah, I guess right. Because <laughs> if that's what they're doing in motocross, I guess that's what they did here. Right. Um, yeah, makes sense. This is what I always remember. The local privateer guys say at High Point, being like, it's so dumb, dude. Why do we race our way in? It just comes down to a start and not crashing. Like, the best way to prove that you're worthy is that you have the speed. You can do the lap time. It should be qualifying a lap time. Okay. Everybody switches to that. And then about three years later, everybody's like, it's so dumb, dude. It's a race. You should race your way in. Prove that you can race to get it. So, yeah, like we always say, Whoever wins the race thinks the track is awesome. Whoever loses the race yeah. thinks the track sucks. There you go. Yeah. No, you're you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, and I was there as a privateer mechanic, right? Uh, this is so dumb. We got to go line up on the daytime qualifier. You know, like uh, you know, so stupid. And then yeah, wait, yeah, what? Because they were always short races. If you started twentieth, yeah. no yeah. matter how fast you were, you're not going to qualify. Yeah. So then I, they try to do the right thing, and then mm-hmm. people complain about that. I definitely did yeah. some daytime Supercross qualifiers with my riders over the years. Absolutely, um, nice. Yeah. So, but wow. shout out Chris Young, LCQ in the daytime yeah. to get to the night show, LCQ win in the night show to get to the main. That's how we do it, Chris Young. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that's you're kind of saying like that would be like the fortieth. 40th-ish fastest guy, you know, just getting in through daytime. Yeah, yeah. Winning Chris, the LCQ. You now, Chris Young is better than that, right? Like, yes. gen- if you look at his results. But for the, on this night, for whatever reason, yeah, he wasn't, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, Chris Young was a legit private Yeah, but like, fast guy. I. Yeah. It's just weird to me, again, another thing weird, just seeing the daytime results in Cycle News. Like, that just – have you ever seen that, Weech? No, no. Right. I remember heat races – um, and then one time, ink must have been getting um, more expensive because at some point they switched to they were only showing last names, and I remember that was like a massive change. Like, oh my god, they're yeah, only showing last yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But daytime never. No, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a, this is another yeah. weirdo race. But uh, Lee at Reraceables, that's our categories. Um, if you have some ideas for categories, DM us and, and let us know. We need to maybe throw a few more in here. Uh, mm-hmm. But what a night for Doug Dubach and Yamaha and Bradshaw and for everybody. Not named Guy Cooper. What a night! <sighs> <laughs> what did he, say? he needs that. He doesn't have a brain. Was that yeah, he doesn't have a brain. He doesn't have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, again, like he's got a case here because chicken. There's no room. You can't pull this off. What are you doing? No. And just to add, like Cooper is every fan's favorite rider. Right. Everybody loves yeah, Cooper. Yeah. I, I don't know the riders. I think. I think somehow Cooper was both wide open, pretty reckless, but I feel like the riders still loved him. But a lot of guys didn't like to be sure. a lot of guys didn't like to be around him. You know, but they liked him. Y- yes. Yeah, yeah. Both were true, right? Like, yep. they always said it was scary to be around him, but they liked him. Yep. 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 And the fans absolutely loved Guy Cooper. Everyone wanted to see Guy Cooper win. It's an awesome rags to Rich's tail. What did he come to that he used to race pulling a trailer at a Honda Civic mm-hmm. with his wife? Yep. And like chicken, that's the guy you're gonna do this to. There's a possibility that when Damon took Chicken into the wall at Paris, a, a pass that should be criminally prosecuted, he hurt him. He hurt his brain. So Cooper might be right factually. Yeah, because factually, because what Bradshaw did to Chicken 
that night in Paris. Not on purpose, but, you know, um, should be looked <laughs> yes, at. Yes, that one again. I, I, I might go downstairs and show my kid that pass, but again, I'm going to have to <laughs> warn him, sit him down. Let him know what you're about to see. I don't know. He might have nightmares. Yeah, absolutely. He might not be old enough. No, for sure. Uh, These are so much fun to do. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks to Dubok for coming on. Thanks to Liet and all the sponsors as well. And uh, what a night. Thanks, Weege. All right, see ya.